Hello, and welcome to the Overland Journal podcast. I am your host, Scott Brady, and I'm here with my co-host, Matt Scott. What are we going to do a little different today, Matt? So today we are going to be starting an all new series on the Overland Journal podcast called the Principles of Overlanding. And what this series is really meant to do is it's meant to just explain some kind of more basic concepts in a little bit more detail so you can get out, kind of have a, some the benefit of my experience, Scott's experience, and everybody that we've collaborated on for this series and make it all available to you. Yeah. And the thing about it that that I think is important to reiterate is I've only touched the surface of what there is oh, to know yeah. about overlanding. And I I have a lifetime still of learning to do around this this subject. But what this gives Matt and I the opportunity to do is do a deep dive, a lot of additional research and supportive research around these topics. So it's going to be things like what we're going to talk about today, payload, things that we're going to talk about like border crossings, uh, visas and other documentation, shipping your vehicle around the world, the basics of suspension, uh, the basics of an interior build out and, and camping components, why you select a van over maybe a wagon, for example. So these are going to be very digestible subjects. They're going to be shorter in form, but they're really going to dig into the details. They're going to dig into the subject matter of it. And partly this series was was inspired by a book that I read a few years ago uh, called Principles by Ray Dalio. This, this, is, this guy is extremely successful. Um, he has one of the world's largest and most successful hedge funds. And he talks a lot about developing an organization and developing a mindset around principles. And the thing that he said that was the most salient to me and that I appreciated the most was he said, I, I don't want to just think that I know that I'm right or think that I'm right. I want to know that I'm right. And, and when, when I say that, that isn't to even partially suggest that everything that Matt and I are going to talk about today makes us right. But what it, what it does do is it, is it makes us think about what are the supporting details? What are the elements that surround it that help us know a little more that we're right in what we're saying? Yeah. And I don't think there's a better place to start on this than payload. I think if, so if there is, if there's one area that overlanders are grossly negligent, it is payload. You know, fortunately some, some people are choosing really durable vehicles that are maybe a little bit underrated from the factory. But what we want to teach you on this is why it's better to weigh less, why you should consider that, why you need to consider not bringing the things with you that you don't need. Um, yeah, it, you talk about that a lot. Needs versus wants. Needs right? versus wants is that is that is my my biggest thing. So it's easy to it's easy to want everything, and it's kind of easy to say you need everything. But what do you actually need? I think overlanding is really for for those that are looking to go on really long term trips. It's about just distilling what you're bringing with you because. The stuff does weigh you down. Yeah, I would say that that is the thing that I see most often when it comes to best practice that's violated is vehicles that are over their gross vehicle weight rating, or even if they're pulling a trailer, they're oftentimes over the gross combined vehicle weight rating. And it makes me think of a funny thing. A few years ago, if you worked on and did any work on an iPhone, if you would type in the word overlanding, it would auto overload. <laughs> It would auto correct it to overloading, which I thought was was such beautiful karma. And something for us all to remember is that um, we often do overload our vehicles. And I will tell you, and everyone else that's listening, is I have done this so many times in my life, and I regret every time that I've overbuilt a vehicle and overloaded a vehicle. I've always ended up with something that didn't perform properly, 
something that suffered more damage and failures and reliability issues. I enjoyed it less as the driver. So there are a lot of reasons we're going to talk about those today to keep the vehicle under gross vehicle weight rating. Maybe let's start with talking about a couple of the key terms, Matt. Uh, what, what do you think about kind of giving us an overview on? So, so yeah, so you're going to hear us say GVWR a lot. And GVWR, is, it's really simple. It's gross vehicle weight rating. That is the rating that the manufacturer gives that particular automobile. You know, and that's what that's what they certify it to. So if your curb weight is... 5,000 pounds and you have a cargo capacity or payload of 1,500 pounds, well, your gross vehicle weight rating is going to be 6,500 pounds. It's really simple. So payload is gross vehicle weight rating minus curb weight. Exactly. Now you have your gross- And that's the factory curb weight. That's not what your truck is today. It's how it came out of the factory and that's how they assign those things. And and something that we just learned, which there there is, I guess, some discrepancy on is that your payload is calculated with a full tank of gas, all of your liquids, brake fluid, coolant, engine oil, engine oil and nothing else. Yep. No consideration towards passengers in the in the curb weight. So that's really important. And we'll talk about some of the things that that add up. And, and then we're also going to discuss ways to address this, some ideas that we've found in our travels that help with that. The next thing that we're going to talk about is the gross combined vehicle weight rating. And that is both both the gross vehicle weight rating of the vehicle plus the towing capacity of the vehicle. So if you add those two items together, you get the gross combined vehicle weight rating. And sometimes that's the only way to solve the payload problem is to tow a trailer. Bring a trailer. Yeah. And that really is applicable. If you think about a family that where there's two kids or three kids, you can easily occupy a lot of the space within the vehicle that could normally be allocated towards equipment. So I think trailers are very appropriate for families. Where I start to get a little concerned is when I see a solo driver or, or a couple that With has a completely yeah. built out vehicle and a trailer. Yeah, they have a hundred series Land Cruiser and a trailer behind it. I start to get a little bit yeah. concerned that maybe they're overdoing it. To, to start, you can't win anything at overlanding, right? Overlanding is something for self. So you're not winning by bolting more stuff on, right? You know, like the, he who has the most does not win overlanding who yeah. he who has seen the most right yeah the only That's thing that, the only thing that really impresses me anymore is people's passports and yeah. their stories and where they've been and what they've experienced and how it's changed them uh so yeah we want to keep it as simple as as possible the next thing is is curb weight as a definition curb weight is the manufacturer's curb weight and then there can also be a curb weight that you get when you add modifications and you go and you take it to a local scale and you figure out what your current vehicle weight is. And that'll give, that's really important to do. It's important to do on a regular basis. So that way you can get a a baseline of how your truck is against those gross vehicle weight ratings. Roof load rating. um, That's not something that you hear thrown around a lot. It is almost always grossly blown over through the aftermarket, except for the new defender is pretty crazy. Um, 400 pounds of, of dynamic, 360 pounds of dynamic. dynamic. And uh, I believe close to 500 or 550 pounds of static. And another good example of that is the 200 series land cruiser around 240 pounds, 250 pounds of roof load rating uh, under dynamic conditions. Uh, there are very few other vehicles that get close to that. Most of the four-wheel drives that we see, forerunners and Jeeps, et cetera, 
they end up somewhere between the 80 and the 140, maybe 150 pounds if you're lucky. So that's really important. If you remember how much a roof tent weighs, they can easily weigh 120 to 150 pounds. So you basically end up with a roof tent and a couple crossbars and that's it. Um, and this is really critical. If you think about it, those ratings are set for the vehicle at stock suspension height and stock center of gravity. Once we start to lift our vehicles and even add goes lower. Yeah. Add taller section height tires. We start to really stress those vehicle dynamics that help support that roof load. Uh, so we really need to be thinking hard about when we start to add roof loads, or let's just start with buying the right vehicle. In my mind, if you want to put a bunch of stuff on the roof, buy a 200 series, buy a yeah. new defender. Yeah. I mean, every action that you do to your vehicle has a reaction. I and mean, I think that's the important thing to know while we talk payload, right? Um, just keep it in mind. So sprung weight and unsprung weight, pretty simple. So basically anything your suspension is holding up, that is sprung weight. Everything that your suspension is not holding up, so that's below the bottom of, let's say, that coil spring, that is unsprung weight. You also have rotating mass and things like that. Um, I guess the old race car thing with rotating mass was any any pound of rotating mass you added was seven pounds of unsprung weight, you know, you're, you're also kind of putting in there. So people that are putting in, you know, really heavy tires, let's say you have a forerunner with a, you know, that doesn't even have a, an LT construction tire from the factory and you go to a 35, well, you're probably adding 25 to 30 pounds of rotating mass times seven. Like that is where you really start to feel feel that weight. Um, you do affects and acceleration, braking and everything. It certainly does. It's, it definitely affects acceleration and braking acceleration. We can address to a small degree by changing the gear ratio of the vehicle, the braking performance, we can improve slightly by improving the brakes improving the sweep area, improving the caliper configuration. Uh, but then you also have reciprocating mass, which means that's the tire and the wheel going up and down. And that weight is something that the suspension needs to now manage. It becomes more difficult for the shocks to manage that, which means increased heat within the within the shock absorbers fluid. Uh, and it's also more difficult for the spring to manage that. So anytime we add weight to the vehicle, we want to be really mindful of that. Now, it doesn't mean that you don't put big tires on a vehicle. In order to cross Antarctica, you got to run 44-inch tires, yep. <clears throat> but you end up with very little suspension travel, and they are not designed to operate at high speeds. Everything's a give and take, and that compromise needs, needs to be considered when we build our vehicles. If you do a lot of highway driving, you use the vehicle every day as a daily driver, be very careful about putting big tires on it. Yeah. Yeah. And and I also caution too, large tires don't necessarily mix if you're going to be running over gross vehicle weight. You know, the the more your vehicle has to has to essentially push that, you know, the more your engine has to push, um, you know, that's just going to further reduce that cargo capacity of the vehicle. And and here's the crazy thing. It, it becomes a compounding issue. So once you get close to gross vehicle weight or over it, then the vehicle breaks down more often. So you tend to bring more spares and you tend to bring more tools to fit those spares, which makes the vehicle heavier. All of those things start to become a factor. It becomes to com- It starts to compound it. And then you think, I need to add a turbocharger because the vehicle is so slow. And that adds additional weight. And every time that we do that, it affects the overall performance. So we oftentimes have the most fun and we enjoy our vehicles most when they're the lightest and the closest to stock. So if we use that as the baseline and then we only add things when we absolutely have to, we end up with a much lighter vehicle. Now, 
all of these definitions that we talked about, they come from a series of regulations and OEM engineering parameters that they use to determine gross vehicle weight, trailer towing capacity, et cetera. One of those is the SAE J2807. Why don't you talk about that a little bit, Matt? Yeah, so SAE J2807, um, you know, that is the Society of Automotive Engineers. That is basically a group of, of you know, engineers that work for OEM companies that have said, hey, this is the, the standard testing procedure that we're going to do. Now, the biggest part of that that test is what they call the Davis Dam test. So that's actually in Arizona. Um, it's Arizona SR 68. If you're, if you're crazy, it runs up a, you know, a, a big dam. It's several thousand feet that you're gaining in a relatively short distance. And that's really, that's meant to test the cooling capacity of the, of the vehicle. Is it going to overheat? Mm. Um, you know, and there's a lot of things that also affect your, you know, payload, believe it or not affects your, the cooling capacity of your vehicle. Um, if you guys check out my gladiator build podcast. One of the things I talk about is re-gearing it, not necessarily for performance that eight speed could, you know, handle the 37s relatively fine, but it's, it's actually about keeping the, the, you know, keeping your cooling system in check because that's where the gladiator's biggest limitation is. And I think that you'll find in a lot of vehicles, you know, most of the vehicles we drive aren't necessarily overpowered, you know, unless you're driving a F-250 or a Ram 2500 or something, right? But keep an eye on also that cooling capacity because that is directly, directly related to payload. Um, yeah, it also, it also... Gearing is a mechanical advantage. Exactly. So once you add much larger diameter tires, you change the whole leverage on the system and the vehicle has to work harder to get those heavier now and larger diameter tires accelerated. And that adds heat into the automatic transmission or it adds strain on the clutch. Um, and we have to think about all of those impacts. And that's why that's part of these SAE regulations. Yeah. And the other things they're looking at is acceleration. Like, you know, they have a standard where they have X amount of weight and the vehicle has to accelerate to 60 mile an hour under, under a certain amount of time. You know, they're checking for trailer sway. They're checking for braking performance. They're checking for, you know, the, the structural, engineering of the vehicle can the frame actually handle it you know there's a great story on jalopnik that andrew collins wrote if you just google saj2807 it will explain that in detail that'll be in the show notes really really suggest yeah i would suggest you check it out And, and the more that we educate ourselves on the limits of our vehicles and the implications of that which is the next thing we're going to talk about having a vehicle over gross vehicle weight there are several issues with that first of all there's i think an ethical component if you can't properly swerve around a child that came out of the street to, after a ball, I, I think that we have a, a duty to make sure that the vehicles yeah. can handle properly. But then there's also the consideration of you're on the trip of a lifetime. You're, you get your one week of vacation to go down to Baja, and now you have a vehicle that either overheats the transmission or you smoke the brakes or you blow a corner and you end up rolling or damaging the vehicle and your trip's over. There's consequences to all of that. But then there's also legal considerations. If you get into an accident and the vehicle is determined to be grossly overweight, you can be cited by the officer on scene or you could be held liable later. It can also result in the insurance company not accepting your claim, uh, particularly if it results in injury or death to the individual that you've had an impact with, or if they can clearly demonstrate that the vehicle being overloaded, which was an intention by the owner, 
resulted in the crash. So we need to be very careful about that for both ethical, legal, and and our ability to, to do an insurance claim. Yeah. And, and some states will even go as far as to include this in, in their annual inspection. I want to say that um, if it's registered to a business in Maryland, for example, they actually, they have the ability to weigh the vehicle. Now they may not always do that, but it is something that can happen. You know, the, I think the biggest problem with, with payload is that it's something that's ignored because it's not necessarily enforced in the United States, right? Yeah. There's, there's, there's very little negative repercussion on a day-to-day basis. If any, um, I think a lot of it comes when something does go wrong, right? You know, you're really, you know, up a Creek without a paddle. Australia is a great example. It is a good example. Um, you know, they actually, they actually have roadside GVWR way stations where they will defect the vehicle and tow your car. They'll also check for, you know, if the tires are outside of the arches or if there's too much suspension lift. I, I always think that Australia really is leading in terms of the industry and, and, and safety. And it's very important, I think, for everybody that's listening to this podcast to, to consider it. Yeah, I mean, just, just consider it. It, it can feel sometimes like big brother, but I think if as a community, we do some self-policing and we yeah. start to pay attention to it. We can help stave off some of those laws that may feel like big brother in the future. A lot of that stuff is literally about just ensuring that people are responsible. Um, and Australia is a great, uh, absolutely a great yeah. example. Of I that. mean, but choose, we're so lucky here, you know, they're, they're, they're kind of screwed because, you know, they cannot readily get a Ram 3,500 no, that has can't. a 4,000 pound payload capacity or whatever it is. I'm not even keeping right. up these days. We, we have lots of options and I think choosing the right vehicle is great. I mean, it's, um, is. that's the place, to you know, start. every time I, I, I love Tacomas and I hate to rag on Tacomas. They're just the, they're the standard overland vehicle in the United States now. But when I see a Tacoma that has an 1150 pound payload capacity has drum brakes in the rear C channel, are they boxed frame? I don't believe so. I don't believe especially so. The, the Hilux, especially is in the back, you know, of, aft of the spring hanger and people put a flatbed, a f- a full four wheel camper. Right. They put bumpers, sliders, winches, larger tires, all this stuff. You know, that they have 3000 pounds of stuff easily in a car that can legally carry 1100 or so pounds of stuff. We have guys that have, you know, full size dreams on a, on a, you know, a quarter ton chassis. Right. And that's what I did with my Tacoma years ago. I just kept adding stuff and yeah. adding stuff. It's so easy. And, and I regret it. The vehicle suffered because of it. Uh, fortunately it's a Toyota. So there is definitely some, <laughs> they just some generally toler- don't break some tolerance. I it's actually amazing. have been on a trip with a, a guy who, who shall remain nameless that wanted to keep up with my, my JK that was on, you know, Fox suspension and everything and, and a ground tent. And they had a full on camper in Monument Valley and they launched it off. Not, or sorry. Not Monument Valley. What's the one close to Death it? Valley? No, um, Valley of the Gods. Oh, Valley of Gods. Got it. Bent the frame. I don't know. I mean, it happens. It happens. It, it it can happen. So I think it's important. While it is a Toyota, I have actually seen every vehicle. I has have its seen limits. a Toyota break. Yeah. <laughs> every vehicle has its limits for sure. And and I think that that's what comes to the next point is there are a lot of factors that 
come to play with this. And it's also the slow boil. We add these things very incrementally. If you went from driving your vehicle in stock condition to the next day, I could put you in the driver's seat with it as you've modified it today. You would think, holy cow, you would think I can't stop. This thing doesn't handle properly. It accelerates so slowly. Why am I getting 35%, 40% less fuel economy, which that's another factor. It's just like the spare parts and tools. Yeah. If you make the vehicle less efficient, you need to now carry more fuel, which adds more weight, which adds to the problem. So it really does compound. And there are there are core elements of the vehicle that you can adjust to help improve some of these performance indicators. We're not at all suggesting that you run over payload, but if you're maybe getting up to that 90, 95% of gross vehicle weight, there are things that you can do to bring back some of those performance characteristics. Mac talked about regearing. That's a critical one. You can upgrade the axles. A lot of vehicles are coming with better than in the past axles like Gladiator and the JL, for example. They're coming out with heavy duty Dana 44s, uh, but you can upgrade the axles. You can upgrade the bearings. Um, you have to make sure that your wheels and tires can support the weight that you've added yes. to the vehicle. Um, you can adjust your spring rates going with an old man emu suspension or a or another, or a AEV or Icon, any of these high quality brands that manufacture springs that have an additional load capacity. Uh, that's a great way to be able to a- address uh, the ride height that you're trying to maintain with the additional load. Of course, you want to make sure that the shock valving is appropriate. Yes, as I load. had that issue, you know, with the Gladiator, they're just there. There were no options out. Too soft. Yeah. Too soft. What are some other things you think we can do to improve the vehicle with additional weight? You know, I think, I I think the best thing you can do is, is the cheapest one. And it's, it's keep an eye on what's actually in your vehicle. You know, the best way to do this, and and this isn't my method, this is a method from a guy, Steve, I know in the UK, but put a, start putting stickers on things. If you don't use it, put a sticker on it. And it makes you kind of cognizant of, Hey, maybe I don't need this French press, right? Maybe I don't need the ice cream maker. Maybe I don't need the washing machine. I mean, the things I've seen that people bring with them are absolutely crazy. Or a bench vice. Yeah. I've, seen, I've seen people that they, they fabricate this vice on a receiver hitch. And the thing, I mean, they're, they're struggling to get it out of the car yeah. and, and anything that's that heavy, it makes a big difference. You can also improve engine cooling, which is something that's really important for vehicles like an 80 series. You can also improve braking performance. Yeah. And, well. you, and you can like, especially in older vehicles, you can like the 80 series, for example, there's actually a factory Toyota auxiliary fan. If you Google, you know, JDM auxiliary fan, it's an electric fan. I put that in mine. Some models got a transmission cooler. Some models didn't. So look into that. You know, I always say yeah, if you're buying idea. a new car, always get the towing package because then that beefs up the cooling system, the transmission cooling and everything, you know, so look and see, okay, well, can I gen- generally transmission engine? It's a matter of, it's a matter of getting rid of that heat, right? So the, the more, the more thermal cooling you can, you know, you, you can add the better gearing is also going to do a lot, of, a lot for that. In my opinion, that reduces the load on the engine. I think a lot of this stuff comes down to gearing and, and, and suspension. It really um, does. And, and don't push it. You know, if someone's right at gross vehicle weight, they can maybe make the argument for it. But what happens when you need to add other passengers because you're the vehicle that's with you breaks down or you need to put some of their gear on the roof rack or your significant other finds, you know, the armoire of their dreams down in Baja and you want to put that on the roof rack. Yeah. To get home. It's so easy to add a bunch of extra weight when you're not when you're not paying attention to that, particularly if you need to add 
bring extra yeah. fuel along. And, and I find it's, it's just something that you have to think of. And sometimes you have to think of differently. If you have a, a 2000 pound, you know, payload capacity, well, maybe don't think of it as 2000 pounds. Maybe think, okay, well, I'm going to be in it. My partner's going to be in it. And let's just say we're both 200 pounds because we're all Americans. So then think of it as 1600 pounds. Stop fooling yourself because you have to t- put yourself in the, in, in that seat too. Correct. You know, find, you know, figure out how much your fridge weighs, but then figure out how much your fridge weighs full of beer, right? Figure out, you know, uh, figure if you're going to put drawers in, in your vehicle, that's great. Well, don't let the drawers just become a place to accumulate crap. Also, I think tools like it's tools are tough because you, you can always tell yourself, oh, I'm going to need it. But well, if your car's in metric, why are you bringing, you know, standard tools with you and, and try, try and pare things down like tools are a place where you can save a lot of weight. A like lot of weight. I, I will actually work on my vehicle at home from the toolkit that is in my vehicle yeah, great idea. and I will take things out that I don't need. Or maybe add the things you do like the right hub wrench or, yeah, or exactly. something like that, but making don't be sure underprepared. Yeah. Just don't be only pre- bring what you need along. Yeah. Don't, don't bring stuff to fix the school bus in Ushuaia that you yeah. might run into or, or, or don't put a, a high lift on the rack. If you don't have a place for the high lift to lift from Yeah, a lot of modern vehicles simply don't have jacking points that are suitable and <laughs> oh, and oh man that is like the ultimate poser mark too is yeah. is the rusted the rusted out high lift on the you know the roof rack of the fj cruiser that has yeah. no points to use it from I, I mean i guess to be fair you could be using one of those wheel wheel mounts but sure but think of if you're going to use it if you need it are there other solutions can these are some other hacks that Matt and I have thought about, but can you buy things that have multiple uses so that you don't have to have three highly specialized items? You can have one that can do the work of all of those. Uh, Like for example, a camp light, instead of putting a bunch of lights on the rack, have one camp light with a, with a clamp that you can move around on the rack where you need it, Um, move it into the tent. So you're not bringing all those extra things along. When you start to, to look at that detail and you start to be more mindful of what you're purchasing, that really helps. And I also think it's really important when you start adding items, do the research on how much it weighs and then start a spreadsheet. I'm not really a spreadsheet guy, but this is the perfect example of a spreadsheet. Start the spreadsheet with the payload that you have available in the vehicle and start to add your accessories up before you buy them. And then as you buy them, now they're on your list and you can add new accessories as you have payload available. But one of the cool things that you can do to help with that calculation is remove the weight of the stuff that you've taken out of the vehicle. So a great and probably the best example of that is don't drive around with third row seats in the vehicle if you don't have passengers to fill three rows exactly. of seats. Uh, those are very heavy. The safety requirements behind automotive seats is mind boggling. And as a result, they're extremely heavy. I remember I took the seats out of the back of my G-Wagon and they weighed hundreds of pounds. Yeah. They were so <laughs> like typical German engineering. They were, I mean, they had, they had struts and which made them like soft clothes and helped you lift them. And, and like, they were literally built to, 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 you know, come out of the back of a C-130. It was amazing how, how well they were constructed, but I saved hundreds of pounds when I yeah, removed them. easily. Yeah. I just did a, a goose gear rear seat delete in my gladiator. And I think we probably netted between 50 and 75 pounds. And that's even, a lot. Even by adding something back in. And that's something that we were never even going to use. 
Yeah. And put that on your spreadsheet that it, look, I, I, I removed the factory bumper, which weighed 35 pounds. And I put on the ARB bumper, which weighed 110 pounds with the winch. That way you can see where you've gained as well as lost available payload. Um, another reason for us all to be mindful about even how much we, we weigh, yeah, that, all exactly. adds, that all adds to it. So I guess in summary is it is about safety at the core, but it's also about performance. We want our vehicles to perform. We want them to make that climb in front of our, all of our buddies. Exactly. If you have a really heavy truck, that climb now becomes significantly more difficult, difficult. All that weight has shifted to the rear tires, especially if you have a, a rear heavy loaded vehicle, that front tire will be very inclined to be unloaded or to even come off the ground, which is going to reduce available traction. So certainly we, we think of it from a safety and a legal standpoint, but at the end of the day, we want our trucks to perform well and we want them to be fun to drive. Why make them so heavy that they stop being fun to drive? Yeah, we just want to treat the vehicle good. The vehicle is your horse in, in this scenario, right? You don't want to put too much on the horse's back to where it breaks the back of the horse. That's right. So yeah, that's right. And and there's that there's that great Maasai warrior phrase that says a, a warrior carries his experience on his back. Yeah. And if you if you have too much stuff, it might be that you're better off spending a little bit of money on training or spending more time in the field to realize what you don't need or what you can do with less. And realistically look at where your trip is taking you. I, I, I talk to so many people that say they're going to go and do the Pan American highway, for example, and they come back and they're like, I don't know why I spent a thousand dollars on these 250 pound rock sliders. I was off the pavement for like 20 minutes. Yeah. You know, like figure out what you value and, and recognize that, you know, travel and overland travel is not exclusive to off-road travel. They don't have to be the same thing. And you, you shouldn't have to feel that you, you need to have these things. There's nothing wrong with a stock bumper. You know, there's, there's nothing, you know, I always say, if you're going to go overkill on anything, make sure you have good tires. Right. But just go. I mean, you can do all of this out of a duffel bag. Scott and I have both done it a, a million times in press cars. You you fly in, you have your duffel bag with your stuff and you go. And totally some of those, works. those are some of my most enjoyable trips. You're right. Um, Cause then you're not distracted by all that stuff, all the stuff. And, and I think at, in kind of in summary, it's important to focus on what's most important. If you really enjoy technical terrain and getting very remote in Southern Utah, those sliders might be a very good idea. But then that means you should camp like a backpacker in order to make up the difference. If you really want comfort when you're traveling and you don't do that much technical driving, then you can leave the sliders and then add your comfort elements, your, your roof tent or whatever. And then it is important to remember that you do have the gross combined vehicle weight rating as a last resort, which means that you could add a trailer that would give you additional capacity. And there's some nice trailers on the market now too. They're so comfortable. They're so comfortable. And that's particularly relevant to those that are traveling as a family in a smaller vehicle. That can be a great solution. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I always say anywhere you are in the third world, there will there will have been a Toyota Corolla that has gone down that road. Almost always. And almost every place that you're going in America, there is some kind of biologist in a bone stock F-150 with the cheapest tires the government would buy that has gone down that same exact road. So, Absolutely. you know, I will just leave everybody with the concept of need versus want. Just make sure you have a healthy balance. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thanks for all your thoughts on this, Matt. And thanks to everyone 
that is listening. We appreciate it. Uh, we look forward to your comments and feedback. Uh, we've been we've started a thread on expeditionportal.com in the forum where you can list questions and ideas. You can also uh, reach out to us very via the various social channels. Yeah, Scott, on. what is your Instagram? Uh, it's uh, Global Overland is Ooh, mine. And yours? I'm, I am Matt Explore. There you go. So if, if people have ideas, questions, thoughts for a future episode, or if you'd like to be on an episode and you have some thoughts you'd like to share that way, uh, please just reach out to us and we will get in touch. Cool. Thanks, Thanks guys. Thanks for listening.